of paper, this is when you need one. So if you're a child and you haven't got a sheet of paper like this, I'll show you. Then Joe has them, and he will give them to you. Because on your talk bingo, there are nine things which I'm going to mention in the talk today. And you need to listen out for them. And when you hear that thing, you can either tick or colour in that box. And if you're not sure about reading yet, that's okay too, because you can always just colour it in. Sophie is going to get some pens as well. So you'll have both of those things. Well, I have here a box... And I want you to imagine that this box is inside my head, because this is my worry box. And sometimes this box can feel quite light, and sometimes, a bit like Sophie's backpack at the beginning, this box can feel very heavy and very full. And at the moment in particular, I feel like my worry box is a little bit more out of control than usual. There's quite a lot of things buzzing around in my head. And earlier in the service, when we talked about the cross and laying the stones on it, we talked to this really good verse. It's 1 Peter chapter 5, and it says, Cast your anxieties on God because he cares for you. God calls us to give to him our worries. So earlier this week, as I came to prepare my talk, I was driving home from work. I thought, I've got a quiet house. I'm going to go and write my talk there. And I just felt like my mind was so busy, I needed to slow it down so that I could focus on what it was God wanted me to say to you this morning. And so I took the wisdom from this verse, and I stopped off at the way back uh, at Heather Farm, which is near Chobham, and I parked my car and I went for a quick walk. And as I walked, I decided to slowly hand each of my worries to God. I needed to be able to focus on him. And so under here, I have another box. And this one is the God box. This is just for the visual. I'm not trying to box God. But this is, this is the God box. And as I walked, I gradually tried to give God each of the things out of my big worry box. So I said to him, God, I give you the worries about where we're going to live next year. I give you the worries about change. I give you worries about wedding planning. I give you the busyness of all the things going on in work. And I handed him all these things. And I thought, oh, that feels so much better. (laughs) And as I walked around Heather Farm, there's this little enclosure bit. And because I was so busy praying, I literally walked in circles. I didn't explore very far. And it was only on the third lap that I suddenly stopped and was able to notice my surroundings. And I came upon this path, and it was a really cool bit. There's a couple of trees across And I was just suddenly reminded of that feeling of when I was a child. Now, in our garden, at the back of our garden, we used to have a couple of trees and a little kind of mud path around the back, which actually doesn't look that exciting. But in my mind, as a child, it was like a woods. We used to call it the woods in the garden. So all our games were centred around running through the woods, running away from witches in the woods, and adventuring in the woods. So that was most of our games. And when I was there in my garden, obviously, I was under the care of my parents. So I wasn't completely free. They wouldn't actually let me run around a real woods, but I felt free. And I realized that as I was walking around Heather Farm, I got to a point where I walked and I thought, gosh, like I've lost that sense of freedom. Even though I'm an adult and I'm walking around an actual woods on my own, I feel so controlled by my worries that I don't have this sense of freedom that I did when I was younger. 
Knowing that I was cared for and looked after by my parents gave me a certain freedom of mind. And I think that God wants us to know that freedom is found in knowing that he cares for us. Because there's that second part of that verse which is really important. Cast your anxiety onto him because he cares for you. That's why we're able to give him our worries. And I felt God saying quite specifically to me in that moment, Bethany, come and adventure with me again. And I really like that word adventure, actually, because I think, like Sophie said earlier in the service, there's a certain freedom about adventure. There can be stressful things going on and fun things going on. Um, But there's this sense of adventure with God and freedom, like what we talked about at PCC earlier in the week. We talked about the church being called to be more childlike in how we approach things. I think we can really learn from children a lot. And back when I was uh, the first year of doing an internship and I hadn't done much kids' ministry at all, I remember the first time I sat down and properly prayed with some children. And we were doing this activity called Worry Stones, a bit like we had stones this morning. But we had these big rocks and they were holding them and they had to say something that was worrying them. And then we had a big bucket of water and then they would drop it in the bucket of water and it'd make a splash and we would give that worry to God. And I remember being amazed watching them do it at how physically lighter they seemed after giving that worry. They'd say some really big things going on in their families, people who were ill, things they were worried about, you know, friendship issues. And then they'd drop it in the bucket and then they'd be like, woohoo, let's go play. Like, we feel free. And I realized that actually I could really learn from that because I do something else. So I take my worry box and I give God the worry. And then I think, okay, God, I'm going to give to you my house search. And then I wait about five minutes, maybe, maybe less. And then I think, I don't feel much better now, really. I don't, I don't know because I've got to worry about it because I've got to sort it out. And so then I take the worry and I put it back in my worry box. <laughs> so I give it to God. I wait a bit, and then I go, oh no, I'm, I'm not really sure, God, about that thing going on in my family. I'm actually just going to take that back and hold on to that for a bit longer. And I think that's because my worry box is too big. Um, my God box is way too small. And I think children find it easier to understand God's care for them than us, perhaps because they're more blindly trusting than adults. I love the picture I thought about this week as we were preparing the service of a child coming out of school and they're all heavy laden, they've just had a hard day, they've got homework, they might have fun but they seem really tired and they've got a heavy book bag and then their parent meets them at the door and says, I'll take your bag from you and maybe here's a snack and how was your day and just that action of taking their bag away from them. I thought that was a real picture of God's care for us when we go to him being like you've had a stressful day, I'm going to take your bag from you. That's how God cares for us. And in one of my favorite action song lyrics, which we sometimes sing with the kids, it says, God who made the universe has a place in his heart for me. God is big. And so I need to realize that God is so much bigger than my worries. I'm going to turn them around. (laughs) So much bigger. In fact, God can't even be a box, as I said earlier. He's way bigger than that box. And today we're thinking about the theme of caring and having compassion for others. And in order to care, not just 
a feeling not just to have empathy, but to truly care to the point of action, there are two things I think can't live in the same room. I don't think selfishness and caring fit together. When you're being caring, it's very hard to be selfish. And in the story, thank you, Mike and Victoria, for that really fun reading. Um, In the story, the two beggars were calling to Jesus in need. But what were the crowd doing? The crowd were silencing them and saying, be quiet. They were, in fact, they were doing more than silencing. They were rebuking them, like, just stop and go away. When there is a need around us and we're too caught up in ourselves, in our, uh, our human reaction, I think, is to just want that worry or that problem to go away. So I know I definitely do this. If it's getting too much for me, I turn the news off. Or if I hear about something which is just a bit painful for me to experience, I kind of shut off in my mind a little bit and hear it, but I'm not really listening. And it's because true caring, unfortunately, isn't always fluffy and nice and sweet. It can actually be messy and painful, and it can feel really hard. But Jesus, on the other hand, did something different in this passage. And I love the fact that it says he stopped his first action was just to simply pause. And I wonder, do we need to stop and see what truly are those voices of need around us? Before we just rush into something, do we need to pause and think, what actually is it God's calling us to do? Now, in the passage, the men had lost their sight. So I have two blindfolds here, and I need two children, volunteers. Go on, Caleb and Sophia. Your hands were straight up. Could you put on this blindfold for me? That's it. I'm going to put on the green blindfold for me. Excellent. And face the front. Can you see? Well, you probably might not know where the front is. Oh, there we go. Can you see anything? No. Okay. That's good. I'm going to give you some instructions, and I want you to do what I say. So, can you jump up and down? Very nice. Can you do a dance? It's good. They can't see themselves. This is brilliant. Um, Can you pat your head? Rub your tummy? Do both at the same time. Very good. Excellent. Now, you both definitely can't see. So how are you following my instructions? Because you know where your body is. But how could you hear... mm, I'm going to say the word. How could you tell what I wanted you to do? Because I was saying it. So you could hear... It's all right. We're getting there. We're getting there. You can take the blindfolds off. That's brilliant. Thank you. (laughs) Do you want to just pop them on the floor where you are? They could hear. So those blind men might not. You can just pop them on the floor or on the table. That's fine. Those blind men couldn't see. Thank you. You can go and sit down. (laughs) Good job, everyone. Good job. I loved your dancing. It was brilliant. (laughs) They couldn't see, but they could still hear. And so it says in the passage, when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And I think those beggars might have been blind, but I actually think perhaps the crowd was blinder. Because even though the crowd still had their physical sight, they weren't any help. In fact, they were just a hindrance. Whereas the beggars who couldn't see still could hear, but could spiritually see what it was that they wanted to happen. They knew what they wanted. And in the passage, it's very clear, we said at the end of it all together, Jesus, we want to see. It's very clear one thing which they wanted. But I also wonder if perhaps they also wanted to be seen. I wonder if it was they wanted to see, but also to be seen. And the only person who saw them 
was Jesus, who truly saw their need. Where the crowd didn't care, Jesus did. And he asked the most amazing question, which this is the thing I want to highlight to you most of all, out of all of the passage, I think, because it's what um, spoke to me the most. But Jesus said to them, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And considering there are loads of other stories in the Bible where Jesus heals simply by maybe someone touching his cloak and they were healed, I think Jesus knew what they wanted and I think he could have healed them anyway. He didn't need to ask that question, but I really love that he did because I think we can really learn from it. Asking what do you want me to do for you is a really scary question to ask. Because in asking it, we're not giving options or preferences or restrictions. We're simply saying, I've seen you. What can I do to help and care for you? And I actually think it could be one of the purest forms of evangelism, actually. It's how when Tom and I went into the school and we approached them, how can we help you? It's when, you know, we're doing things. It's nice to go and be like, how can we fill a need? How can I help you? It's kind of a risk because you don't know what they're going to reply but it feels like a really kind question to ask. And it is the complete opposite of selfishness. It requires us to put ourselves at the service of others. At the moment, Jacob and I are doing a pre-marriage course. <laughs> and one of the stories they tell in it, this, they told this week, really ties in, so I just want to share it quickly. But there was a couple, and they were really struggling in their marriage to the point where they thought, this is it, we can't do it anymore. And one morning they woke up, and uh, the husband thought, you know, I need to change something, but I don't know what to do. So he woke up and he said to his wife, what can I do today to make your day better? And she was really taken aback and she was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> like maybe do the hoovering. So he did the hoovering. And then the next day they wake up again and he says the same question. What can I do today to make your day better? She's like, you cook dinner. He's like, oh, it's a bit more scary, but I'll cook the dinner. And they, he did that every day for two weeks, they said, which is a lot of days. And she kind of ran out of things because she was like, actually, at this point, what do you want me to do for you? Well, why don't we spend some time together? And for them, it really changed the track of their marriage. They started asking each other every day when they woke up, what can I do for you today to make your day better? Which is really similar to that question Jesus is asking in the passage, and it could change the direction for how we care in some ways. And I think it's one step on from a feeling of just care. It is compassion. It's that love and care in actual action. It's a reflection, of course, of what Jesus did for us. The most compassionate act of all, when he put aside his fears of dying because of his love and his care for us, even when we're still far off. It literally says in black and white in the story we heard, Jesus had compassion on them. And then he healed them of their sight. Woohoo! We did that Mexican wave. Woohoo! He healed them of their sight immediately. No strings attached. It was out of the care and compassion that Jesus showed to the beggars that what did they do in response? They followed him. So I think it's just a really interesting question to think about how we approach some people when we're thinking about evangelism as well. And so going back to my lovely boxes, um, asking the question, what can I do for you, requires nothing of me in it. He calls us into him so we can reflect God's love to others. 
And so in the moment of asking someone how I can help means taking my worry box and placing it completely inside the God box so that I'm not distracted by all the things I'm holding on to. And in fact, I can only see through the lens of what God wants me to care about and focus on. And then we can have true Jesus' sight. So I want to leave you with this thought to think about as we sing our next song. Uh, We noticed in the story the beggars were really persistent. They kept on asking and asking. What are the persistent requests and needs around us right now? I want you to spend a moment just thinking of one or stopping and pausing and thinking, actually, what is it, God, you want to show to me in that? And in the next song, reflect and think about how we can care for and show God's love in action, God's compassion in those places. If we ask that group of people or that person, what do you want me to do for you? What would they reply? Have a think about that now as the band come up and we're going to sing another song. just as we stand before we sing let's just pray that prayer Holy Spirit come been prayed over many 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 years and kids I don't know if it will help you and in fact adults too when I asked the Holy Spirit to come and to meet with me and that God will talk to me I've put my hands out like God's going to give me a gift and I am ready for that gift I am ready to hear him speak to me and I wonder what God is going to say to you this morning Holy Spirit would you come sometimes it helps to ask the question directly to God God what do you want to say to me this morning kids in your head, adults in your head if you want to ask that question God, what do you want to say to me? And then listen It's that easy still listening to God, just listen. You don't have to sing. But if you want to sing in response, then do. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not 